Hello, and welcome to episode five of As You Were Saying. In this episode, we talk about heartburn, polar bear invasions in Amazon acquisitions, not related that we know of. We address listener feedback on the subject of gratuitous evil. I finally answer a long-awaited question. And lastly, we touch on the subjects of video games and motion capture. As always, you can send us feedback or questions through the contact form on my website, creativeandbeyond.com. While there, you can find my free email course, Done, which will help you finish your creative projects in a timely manner. Well, hello, Aaron. Hello, Gordon. What are you drinking? Just water today. Just my big old thermos of water. Oh, it's a thermos of water. Yeah, it's a hydro flask. It's one of the big ones. Oh, okay. I think I know what that is. Can you describe it's, what a hydro flask is? Uh, yes. It, so it's a metal insulated canister. Um, so it keeps liquid inside either hot or cold for a long period of time. And this one is a 40 ounce canister. So it's a pretty big one. And I picked a bright yellow one because I thought it looked kind of like the canisters in Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. very and I nice. thought that was fun. Yeah. I, I have never seen Monsters, Inc. What? Oh, Actually, man. wait. No, 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 no. I take that back. I think I have seen it. But it's that I'm confusing it with another movie with monsters in it that is animated that I have not seen. And I don't know what the other one is. But I, I, I think I, I have wonder seen what Monsters one that Inc. is. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Monsters Inc. has the big blue hairy monster with horns and the little green monster that has one eye. It's a really old movie, right? Yeah, it's one of Pixar's earlier movies. Okay. Uh, it's also probably, I don't, it's probably my favorite, or at least it was my favorite for a long time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I like Monsters Inc. a lot. Wally isn't your favorite? No. I, I like Wally, <laughs> but no, it's not my favorite. No, I understand. Yeah. I don't, think i have a favorite i'd have to think really hard but um well very cool i need to figure out what movie that is that i'm thinking of but it will have to wait because there's no way i could effectively google it right now uh, so tell me what aren't you drinking i yeah a lot of things i'm <laughs> not drinking prune juice i'm not drinking tomato juice mm. i am not drinking a bloody mary i am not drinking milk sparkling water blueberry puree I am also not drinking anything else. Did you, so you're not drinking anything? I'm not drinking anything. Okay. Did you know that prune juice is a warrior's drink? I did not know that. <laughs> like, so this this is from a Star Trek episode. And you, do you recall that uh, Whoopi Goldberg was in Star Trek The Next Generation? I do. She stabbed Q in the hand when he became a human for an episode. I don't know if I've seen that one, but that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, anyway, she's uh, she's sitting at, I think it's like the bar or something, and talking with Worf, and he asks her what she's drinking, and uh, and he takes a sip, and he says, mmm, a warrior's drink, and she's drinking prune juice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I thought you meant Golden State Warriors. I thought it was oh. the basketball players. Well, I'm sure they drink it, too. I'm sure they do, too. Absolutely. Keeps them regular. <laughs> yeah. And that's important in a game. It is very important. Yeah. Um, but no, alas, I forgot my drink again. And so I'm at my desk with nothing to drink. I have my bell, oh, but, good. but no drink, I, which is bad. My voice keeps going, which has oh. been really frustrating. And I think, so one thing, it's so it's the dry air. That's part of it. But then 
uh, I think it was maybe a week ago, I had terrible heartburn that kept me up all night. Mm. It was uh, it was Saturday night. That's right. Kept me up most of the night. Terrible heartburn. And it was so bad that it affected my voice the next day. Man, and I've never I've, heard of that. Yeah, it was yeah, it was not good. And it's continued throughout the week. I mean, not not the heartburn, thankfully, but my, my voice has been weak um, ever since then. And I had... To make matters worse, I had a I had to do this big presentation on Monday, and that was over an hour of me just running my mouth, and it yeah, it's just not good. So I'm my voice is not happy. It's very tired. Jeez. So what led to the heartburn? I don't know, but I suspect sparkling. I so I drink an obscene amount of sparkling water. I don't think that helps. I don't think that's what did it. I'm huh. not sure what exactly was the cause. I had, let's see, a couple things that could have contributed. I had some carrot cake at about 12.30 that night before I went to bed, which wasn't good. I had a glass of wine with my carrot cake, which is not a good combination. Not something mm. I'll try again, but a nice experience, I guess. It sounds nice, yeah. It does sound nice. It doesn't taste very good. Yeah. And I... I'm trying to remember what else I had earlier in the day that might have contributed. I think those those two things, um, so close to when I went to bed, didn't help. In addition to the amount of sparkling water I drink, uh, but other than that, I'm 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 not sure what caused it. But it wasn't it wasn't like I ate you know uh, a slice of wheat bread around six and then went to bed at one or anything. I mean, so I I had a lot to eat and had things too close to going to bed, so I. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually not sure if I've, I'm pretty sure I've had it, but I know, I'm not positive that I've had heartburn before and I'm not positive on what causes it. I assumed it was uh, like eating spicy things, but I could be wrong. Tell me, how can't... about you educate me? Well, I, I don't actually know very much about heartburn. I, I think it can be caused by spicy things, though I don't typically get heartburn from spicy things. I think it can also just be caused by stress a combination of stress and eating other things that mess with your gut chemistry i mean i but i have no idea i hmm. i haven't looked into it at all other than i did read that it can affect your vocal cords hmm. wow well i guess you now know experientially i do i have i've had the experience of heartburn <laughs> you can wear a sticker yeah, I can. Yeah, I, I hope I, I need to go pick one of those up. Um, I have experienced heartburn sticker, um, but but enough about me. There's two. I wanted so yeah. yeah. I, there's some stuff I want to say, and this is news. This stuff. is the place to say it. So I, it, it is. So I mean, this is part of our chit chat here. There's some things in the news I just wanted to say briefly that yeah. I found really amazing but terrifying. The first one is apparently there was a state of emergency declared in a Russian town. Because fifty polar bears invaded. Oh my goodness! It yeah, I I um yeah, uh, amazing yet terrifying. Um, so I let's not dwell because there's a lot. I you're you're gonna talk uh, about some of the stuff that you do, and I'm really excited to hear about that. So I don't want to dwell on this. I want to save time. But oh man! But let's I, let's. I want to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, what more do you need than fifty polar bears? In, in a Russian town in a state of emergency. Um, Did the uh, Russians uh, ride the polar bears? 
<laughs> no, I think the polar bears tried to eat them. Oh man! At least the people were afraid to go outside. Um, I think so. Let's see. There were about three thousand people in the area, and it was it was referred to as a mass invasion. The bears were referred to as aggressive. Um, I don't have any really information other than that uh, that I can get at quickly, but pretty pretty crazy. I mean, polar yeah. bears polar bears hunt and eat people. Yeah, honestly, so, that sounds terrifying. Like po- polar bears, I think are one of the worst bears as far as being aggressive and territorial. So they are the worst bear, I think. Yeah, and they're very big. Yes, enormous. Um, the second thing that I guess this isn't terrifying. This just made me sad, but it's probably not that big of a deal. I guess only time will tell. Amazon bought Eero, which is a mesh network company. What's uh, a mesh is, network company? Uh, well, a mesh network. So typically, your Wi-Fi has one access point that you connect to, and you can, you know, use devices to extend it. Uh, but everything, you, when you extend it, everything still communicates back to the original access point, and the original access point controls all the traffic, right? So you'll you're just extending this chain if you add more points. A mesh okay. network, instead of having um, a single um, access point has multiple devices that act as an aggregated access point. And mm. that, I mean, without going into too much detail, I mean, what that means is rather than having, you know, you connect to a device that then chains back to the device you really need to talk to, you you have a bunch of devices all over the place that act as the main device effectively. Um, okay. And so it's it's a mesh network as a, as opposed to a centralized uh hub network okay yeah so that anyways your euro is a from what i understand has a really nice product uh and it really does effectively get wi-fi all over your house and things like this they're a little expensive but worth the money if if that's something you're interested to interested in and you have the money um but amazon has now bought them because they're so good and Presumably, Amazon is going to use them in some way to help bolster their their um, business model, which involves understanding your habits and your information. So, just mm. more tech privacy stuff. Yeah, Amazon taking over. Indeed. Oh, well, it's hard. It's interesting. The uh, it's getting harder and harder to be an independent technology company because once you once you develop a really good product that people want, then you get bought by. Amazon, Google, or um, Apple, and so yeah, it's so it's kind of sad for that reason too. But yeah, only time will tell how how this turns out. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, that is pretty interesting to know. All, All right. right. So oh. on to follow up here. Yeah. So one one initial piece of follow up: Facebook and Google are both back up and running. I guess they were only down for a couple of days. I think they were maybe back up and running when we recorded last time but i had missed it if they were they hadn't been up and running long but it sounds like they were each only down for maybe two days which is still a long time and you know for a big company like that but there you go so everything is peaceful once more everything is peaceful once again we're back we're back in the cold war (laughs) things are no longer hot they've cooled down a bit that's right exactly just menacing stares across you know (laughs) Across, across the, the rows at Wall Street, yeah, or yeah, <laughs> over the inner tubes. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have any further follow up unless you do. I do not. Okay. 
So how about some listener feedback then? We're just Lis- breezing through this stuff. Yeah, no, this is good. Very efficient. Oh, were you going to sing me a song about I was. feedback? The moment is gone. Oh, man. Okay. Next <laughs> time. Next time. Uh, actually, I have a question for you. Uh, okay. If you could be any animal, what animal <laughs> would you be? It, that's a good question. Uh, listeners may remember this was a question addressed in our very first episode, which is episode zero. And uh, Gordon, you ignored my, well, you didn't ignore, but I asked you that question and then you did not reciprocate the question to me. And your wife had pointed out that to you and was dismayed. She was dismayed. Yeah. So if I could be any animal, I would either be an otter or an ocelot. Ooh, an ocelot. Yeah. Isn't that like a cat of some sort? Yeah. They just look cool, but... I probably would be an otter because uh, they seem like they're, they have a lot of fun and they're, I don't know, they just seem like fun animals to be. So, yeah. Well, it's a good answer. I, I yeah. wonder what it's like to be an otter. We'll probably never know. One day, maybe one day we'll have an opportunity, but until then we'll just have to wonder. Until that day. Until that day. All right. Well, uh, Gloria will be happy that I, I finally got around to reciprocating your question. And thank you for your answer. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was really a lovely experience. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Much better than carrot cake and red wine, let me just tell you. <laughs> it did not lead to heartburn, I hope. <laughs> Let's hope not. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Animal questions, that's another, uh, that's another common cause of heartburn. It is. It is. Um, all right, so listener feedback. I see here we have something from a guy named Ryan. Yes. Uh, let's see. So he says, my name is Ryan, and I have been a longtime listener um, to As You Were Saying. I remember way back when, when I was just 30 years of age, that I first heard your podcast. I recently just listened to, uh, I guess, the, the previous episode, mm-hmm. Sweet Tea of Revenge, and would like to get some thoughts Um, on some comments he has on the gratuitous evil section from the previous podcast. Right. Okay. So, man, there's a lot. He's in us a lengthy email. This is awesome. He really got into detail here. Well, let's see. So, Aaron, I will leave it up to you. I take it I should answer the gratuitous evil questions, unless, of course, you have comments as well. Please jump in. Uh, But is there anything in in this list that jumps out at you? Or maybe do you want to paraphrase some of what he said? Um, I could try to. I didn't. Uh, I didn't prepare myself to. But uh, a lot of it is he is agreeing with, uh, agreeing with a lot of the things he said. Let's see. Um, he says I agree with your logical, deductive assessment that the problem seems to rest in the fact of we can provide reasons for or against God having good reasons for allowing evil. If I may add my own points here, and then he has three points he wants to add, uh, which are, uh, well, this might take, a <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think this might take I, a bit of time to go to process through, especially in, uh, in this form, but let me, did you get to read the whole thing? Let me ask that. Well, I just did. So, okay. Um, okay. So it looks like he, so he has some interesting points here and, and basically it sounds to me that, so he's very interested in using Job as an example to sort of defend uh, the existence of evil alongside the existence of God. Which and, you did use. 
I, I did mention Job. I, I think I mentioned Job in a different context than what he has in mind here. I think he he wants to say, he, he wants to look at, um, well, the fact that Job's suffering brought about God's glory in a massive way. Um, well, and actually he doesn't say this, but I, what I thought he was going to say was that later on, you know, Job, when Job questions God about evil and suffering, God just sort of says, look, look, I mean, look at the ocean, look at creation do you like who are you to question me right and this is a response that god gives job here and i mean there's two ways to understand this i mean one is to understand it as you are the creature i am the creator who are you the creature to question the creator Um, another way to understand this is i mean look at the magnificence and the 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 complexity of creation Um, who are you to question me you probably couldn't even understand um, so there's different ways to go with the end of Job there, but um, there's a it's a nice point either way. And Ryan looks like he has a he has a final point, which is to say that I guess understanding. So we can say, well, God, if God exists, then God has reasons for evil, and there's no evil that we've encountered that would entail that God couldn't have reasons for evil. And so this is he he seems to think this is a nice argument, mm-hmm. but then he wants to push on and say, okay, if we were to try and give reasons, fill, fill in what these reasons are, we're going to have to leave, um, I guess, mere philosophy and move into theology and develop the reasons from a theological standpoint, presumably from, from scripture and um, probably drawing from historical figures um, and their thoughts as well. And I, I think that's right. So I, I, I think it would be really hard to come up with a reason for evil um, without going to the the source material of Christianity. And I think that's something that's going to be, you know, if we can come up with any candidate reasons that we think might be true, then it's going to be from some sort of divine revelation like scripture. So I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. We're certainly not the first people to discuss this topic. And uh, there's some very intelligent human beings who have thought about this for a long time and, and very hard. So... And we have scripture as well that that also provides answers. We do. So I did think it was interesting him talking about um, theology needs to now wed with philosophy in order to give uh, these possibilities. Um, and it's it'd be extremely difficult to proceed without doing that. So that's an interesting idea of um, of combining the two or or taking in both. It, so it is. Let me ask you a question, though. Do you think of philosophy and theology as two different things? I, I don't think so. Um, okay. Well, I guess there is a difference. I wouldn't say they're the same exactly, um, but I think theology is part of philosophy. Maybe maybe that's incorrect, but that's my perception of it. I think. Well, I imagine there is a variety of opinions. I would think of theology as a subset of philosophy as well. And I think you have, so there's philosophy of science, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. And a philosopher of science is going to, depending on the type of philosophy of science that's done, will draw from what scientists are doing, what physicists, biologists are doing um, while performing their philosophical inquiry. And I see of theology as much the same way, you know, uh, you have philosophers who um, draw from scripture, draw from the thoughts of, 
you know, historically great Christians and, and what have you, you know, as part of their philosophical inquiry. And I think when, you know, there's a way of doing that, that just is theology um, of, of, a, of a sort. I mean, it may not be, um, there may be types of theology that are exceptions to this, but I think certainly like systematic theology and um, lots of other branches of theology are going to by and large be fall, fall, fall under this umbrella. That's my take. Yeah, and I would agree with you there. You know a lot more about philosophy than I do. I'm certainly no expert. But what I do know of it, uh, I think what you've said is seems accurate to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting <clears throat> uh, if to hear what Ryan thinks about the relationship between philosophy and theology, since it sounds like he, he sees them as distinct fields that need to be integrated. I tend to think that they're already integrated with you know, as philosophy is the, the class and theology is a subclass. So, but hmm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have any other listener feedback that you've received? I do not. Um, okay. I've, other than I've, you know, we've received some nice notes from people saying that they enjoy the show. I just want to yes. thank everybody for that. And thank you for listening. Yes. And we did, we did get a nice review. Um, I don't have it up right now, but at some point, as we start getting reviews, we'll uh, from reader or from listeners, we'll read those and appreciate or give thanks and appreciation for them. Uh, but if that's it, then let's go on to our topics. Topics, woo woo! There you go. There's your song. Thank <laughs> you. What a song! I'll uh, I'll make sure to loop and auto tune that bad boy. <laughs> yeah. Please do. It can be our uh, our theme music. It could be. We don't have any theme music. We need some. We do. We need a fan to make us theme music. At first, that... I was I was imagining like a um, like a bladed fan that was that somehow was creating music for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with a like a playing card stuck yeah. between the <laughs> the vents. Yeah, that'd be great. It, it wouldn't be the most enjoyable music, but it would be something. Or you like speak through it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Here's my theme song. <laughs> I don't know if I could simulate the fan noise without a fan, yes. but that was my best best try. That was a good attempt. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, well done. Well done. Well, I wanted to talk about video games. Oh, that's great. I love video yeah. games. Yeah, me too. So I actually, for my day job, actually work mostly on video games. Um, I work at a motion capture studio and most of our clients are uh, studios that create video games, so I'm pretty involved in them. Oh, that's uh, great. What Can I ask what motion capture is? Yes, you can, and you did. I did. Yeah, so motion capture, if you're not familiar, uh, it involves bringing in actors and recording their motions and then taking their motion and then putting it on some kind of digital character. So if you've seen Lord of the Rings... Uh, Gollum in that was played by Andy Serkis. That's that's usually a movie most people are familiar with that I use as an example. Um, so Andy Serkis was the actor and Gollum is the character that he portrayed. He also did uh, the some of the recent King Kong movies and he did Caesar in Planet of the Apes. So he's a, he's a pretty famous motion capture, mo- motion capture actor. There probably aren't a lot of them, though I know a few myself, but I don't know if other people would be familiar with them. I I thought his work in Black Panther was especially realistic. Who was he in Black Panther? 
he was one of the he wasn't the main bad guy but he was the uh sort of like the lead thief in the museum i can't remember his name i i need to look this up now he played himself i mean he didn't play himself but he did he wasn't oh. doing motion capture that was the joke yeah yeah he was he was just him it was yeah live action so that but sorry it could be it could be that he was playing a digital version of himself and it was so good you just didn't even know well that was my suggestion but uh, okay yeah i i just missed it that was yeah that was the joke is he uh you know uh it was like oh man that's so realistic i mean it looked exactly like a person i so. the the problem i should have gotten it but the problem was i have seen black panther but it's only been once and i forgot whether or not he was in it and whether or not i was trying to remember if there was some kind of digital character in there that he could have portrayed so uh yeah all right, we have some real-time follow-up from me. Andy Serkis <laughs> portrayed Ulysses Claus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, beginning with Avengers Age of Ultron 2015, later reprising his role in Black Panther 2018. Ah, uh, very good, very good. And it's so live he's a action. recurring character. He is. Okay. Well, that's great. So, uh, continuing on, yes, I, I work in motion capture, um, if you've seen, a lot of times you'll see what it looks like if you watch the behind-the-scenes footage for movies. Um, you'll see the actors have these little dots on them we call markers, and an infrared camera picks up those dots, and then you have some kind of software that recognizes that group of dots that we call a cloud as a person, and then there's a long process where you put all that together to create a skeleton with motion on that and then you use that to drive a character a 3d character that is so, amazing to me yeah yeah i i always uh, i i often have to try to explain to people what motion capture is if they're not familiar or i try to ask first um when i'm talking about my job and uh some people get it right away and other people i have to go into depth uh, i had i had one experience where i was in the philippines trying to explain it to uh, someone who was fairly old and probably already didn't understand English super well. And so someone recommended that I just throw glitter in the air and dance around. And if they, <laughs> and if they didn't understand what that meant, then I just needed to dance harder. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> I guess that's the well, point. Because uh, I don't really know either. I guess it's because the uh, the markers are reflective, so... Maybe the glitter is representative of the markers. I'm not sure. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have a, I have a, I think this is kind of a technical question. Um, yeah. So I understand how I could put dots on a piece of paper and then have some sensor detect those dots and then show me a shape or, or at least show me the position of the dots on the paper. How does the depth of field work here? Because it's more than just dots on a plane. It's some of the some of the dots are farther away, some are closer, and that's how you get the skeleton, right? The, get the th- three dimensional representation is through this depth of field. Yeah. So you have you don't just have one camera. You have a room full of cameras uh, all around. So each individual camera uh, is connected, and through all this, I mean, and I'm not great at. Um, I mean, I don't write the software or anything like that, so I'm probably not. I don't have the best technical know-how of it, but each of these cameras uh, is feeding to a system that's using all that data to to um, locate those markers in 3D space. Um, so each each marker will have a location in 3D space, and it'll use that 
um, to get the three dimensions. Oh man, your job is so cool. <laughs> that is so, that is so cool. So the, the, the individual cameras don't have any depth of field. It's the multiple cameras are then integrated by a computer integrates the feeds from those cameras to, to model the three dimensional space and then locate those dots there. That, mm. yep. Yep. And that's okay. That's great. I, uh, can I be your, do you, do you need a secretary? <laughs> uh, a, a personal one? Sure. That I can type really fast. <laughs> I want to come work where you work. So that sounds really cool. <laughs> it's a fun job. Uh, they're actually doing a thing right now. That's pretty neat. Are you familiar with Twitch at all? I, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I yeah. should be more familiar than I am. I, I na- mainly follow what happens on Twitch. I don't actually really ever uh, stream Twitch. Yeah, I I'll, I really only watch it when someone I know is doing something. Um, but yeah, Twitch is a streaming service for those who aren't familiar. And mostly it's, it's, so it's, stre- it's live streaming. Um, usually it's people playing video games live and other people watching them. A lot of times it'll be... Um, like first-person shooter games or competitive games. Um, but there's other things too. Like I have a friend that did animation instruction on Twitch and he'd just, he'd just do an animation live and talk about it while he was animating, uh, which is a pretty neat idea. What I'm most familiar with from Twitch are challenge runs uh, from the, the Soulsborne series. So, so Dark Souls mm-hmm. uh, 1, 2, and 3, Demon Souls and Bloodborne. And these people are crazy the stuff that they do it's just bonkers um i saw one recently so what is it it's five games and they're they are extremely hard and this guy was doing what was called the god run where you you go through each of the games and you don't get hit and if you get hit at any point you have to start over from the very first game that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's he was on his last. He he did all of them except for Demon Souls, which actually chronologically came out first, and he got hit by the opening boss, Ugh. and had to start over from the beginning. It was it was awful. I uh, not not to get too deep into video games, but I watched recently. I watched someone do the Trial of the Sword in Breath of the Wild, the Zelda most recent Zelda game. Oh, cool! And he did the whole thing on Master Mode without getting hit, and it and did it really really quickly. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was, well, I don't know if he was Asian, but he was using the Japanese version of the game. Okay. Because uh, all, all the letters were in Japanese or the writing was in Japanese. But um, it, I was quite astounded. I'm, I'm just amazed at how good people are at things like this. It is. It, the things that people get good at are, I never cease to uh, amaze, impress, and sometimes disappoint. Because I think, why did you spend so much time? But but Master Mode in Zelda, totally worth the time. I have yet to do it, but I've beaten the game, so I'm happy with myself. You should be. Yeah. So anyway, I was saying for Twitch, as I was saying, for Twitch, our work is doing a thing where it's a, uh, a motion capture character is playing Twitch and being portrayed by an actress. So this this person is an actual... A professional Twitch streamer who is acting for a character that's playing on Twitch. So you see a 3D character, um, like the live feed of of them reacting and talking and stuff while they're playing games. Oh, cool! That that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, they've done a they've done a few a couple of tests, and I think they just they've done like one uh, live one so far. So and they're still working on it, but it's pretty neat. 
Yeah, man, I, I feel like with the way technology is going, video games are just very soon going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah, it's looking that way. They uh, Video games are getting more and more impressive uh, in graphics and capability as well, what you can do in a game and how immersive they are. Uh, so I, I I had a lot of points to talk about, and, and there, I certainly... It's kind of just a scatter blast of thoughts I had on video games and more focused on how they're affecting us or, or how they become so uh, such a big part of our culture. Um, especially, I, I guess I'd say in the last 20 years, video games have become very mainstream now. And uh, I had a conversation recently as at, the, at a playground with my kids and this other boy was there who's, I, I guess he was my guess would be he was about seven years old and he plays a lot of Fortnite from what it sounds like. Now, are you familiar with Fortnite? I am. I think I've played it a handful of times, maybe once or twice. Okay. I've, I've actually never played it myself. I've seen it played a little bit, but um, it's not really my kind of game. I don't think I'm pretty selective about what games I play, uh, but it is, I believe it's the most popular game right now. Yeah, I think it's something like the most profitable game of all time or something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But anyway, so this this boy who plays Fortnite pretty regularly, uh, I was pretty surprised by his, like his way of communicating was very um, video game driven. So, so he was talking with me and he was saying he's uh, constructing bases in his bedroom and he's trying to, he says, <laughs> yes. I'm trying to assess all my available resources, including both my defensive and offensive resources. That's really funny. And, th- and this was the, this isn't him talking about the game. He's talking about real world stuff. No, right. He's, yeah. Yeah. But he's still in the uh, context of the game, I take it. Yes. Yes. That's so funny. I, I found that very fascinating. And at, when I'm at work, a lot of the conversations, if you don't know the context of it, because there's a lot of conversations about games and people's experiences and what they've been doing in the games that they've been playing. And it's just interesting to to listen to it and, and pretend you don't know anything of what they're talking about or if it's a game you're not familiar with. It's like a whole nother language. Um, and it sounds completely like alien and foreign to someone who's not familiar with that sort of thing. It so re- it's... I find it interesting how much uh, games are shaping our language. That's interesting. Yeah, it really is pretty incredible, I guess. Yeah, because you interact with a bunch of people to accomplish these tasks and you develop a vocabulary and then you find analogies in, in, the real, in your real life and you use the same vocabulary. And then suddenly, voila, you have this new vernacular that all the people who don't play video games don't know anything about. It's bizarre. Right, right. Um, the, though the people who don't play video games is becoming a smaller and smaller group these days. Yeah, no, it is. Um, but I imagine it still happens with, you know, from game to game. Right. Um, so here, yeah, every, every game has its own, um, its own, its own vocabulary. Right. Um, so a funny, this is kind of the same thing. Um, at least this was, uh, something that was related from a game into real life in sort of a funny way. So my wife, for a time, had to take shots into her thigh, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just she had like she was her B twelve was low, and so she had, she took B twelve shots into her thigh, and uh, it was a she you do it with a needle, and 
you put this needle into your thigh and inject the B12 and it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. It just depends on how, you know, how well you can handle these sorts of needle things. But um, there's a game, so a game Bloodborne that I like a lot and the character heals by injecting himself with blood, which and I say it out loud sounds really gruesome, but uh, yeah. the the animation for it is just this, you know, kind of almost looks like he's punching himself in the leg and then there's like a splash of red and your health goes up and you know she's watched me play that a lot and so it was a constant joke in our household whenever she had to do her b12 shots that she was she was healing you know by injecting herself <laughs> so it was funny she's like Whoa! you know but then she didn't actually stab herself with that i mean then then she would do it for Blood real didn't it was, shoot out of her no, leg <laughs> no, no not most of the time no i'm just kidding it never did that's good you know that makes me think of Maybe we've gotten to this point already, but getting to a point where we'll have to clarify whether we're talking about a game or not, because it'll be almost indistinguishable from real life in in like the way that we use words and how we describe things. So I would think that's already happened with what's the, oh, what is it, series of letters? What is it? Massive multiplayer online games, MMOGs? Is that? MMORPGs. MMORPGs, yeah. Well, I guess I guess they don't have to be RPGs. So, yeah, it's just MMOs. Well, whatever these games are that everyone plays together and they control characters that can interact with one another and there are these transactions, I would think that there have been a number of discussions about these transactions and the money in the game and everything else that sound a whole lot like your, you know, real money um that you would use at a grocery store and that's yeah i would i mean that has to happen oh i'm i'm sure and it's getting to the point where a lot of games i even remember uh in everquest which is i believe it's the first mmo um that and it was an rpg role-playing game but in everquest one of the things i believe one of the things you could do well maybe maybe i'm wrong but whether or not you could get married uh, people would have hold wedding ceremonies in the game, um, whether or not that was something that was actually built into the game. So, like life events, there's a lot of games like that where you can incorporate uh, life events into the game. And uh, just knowing that that's the case, I'm sure there's a lot of like misunderstanding as far as what someone's talking about if they're talking about something they did in a game, which they could have easily done in real life as well. No, it's really, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, these games are a means of communication. And so there's, I mean, there's nothing stopping, you know, other, I don't know, the the the, the actions, the communicative acts that we perform outside of video games from happening within video games, as long as we can communicate with one another. I mean, it's especially as, as things get more detailed, it's going to, yeah, all kinds of stuff or it's coming. Yep. Yep. And maybe we'll talk about this in another time, but just the idea of like defining what what makes something a game or a, or a video game. We use the term pretty loosely now. Usually, like originally video game was something you'd play on a TV, but now that a screen can be on many different devices, you can play a game on many different devices, uh, it becomes, uh, it's much, it's, it's a much broader term. Yeah, I've never heard a definition of game that didn't have counterexamples. So that, that would be interesting. I would take it that the same thing would have to be true of video game as well. Yeah, I would think so. I actually heard a definition recently, and this was brought up in the context of board games, so maybe a bit different, but uh, a definition was given, and I don't know who came up with it, but 
Uh, a game is the voluntary acceptance of unnecessary obstacles. So, well, what about speeding? I'm sorry, what about uh, following the speed limit in the middle of the night when there are no cops on the road? Would that be a game? Well, no, I don't think everything that meets that requirement is a game. I see. Yeah. So that's just a uh, necessary condition? Yes. Okay. What is it again? What's the definition? The voluntary acceptance of unnecessary obstacles. And now you could say that speeding is a necessary obstacle, or at least in some people's minds it is. Is golfing, when I, when I go golfing, am I accepting unnecessary obstacles? You are, because uh, the goal is to put the ball in the hole, but you're not allowed to just pick it up and walk over to the hole and drop it in. So there's, you add obstacles, which are rules that require you to do certain things in order to get the ball into the hole. I see. So the goal isn't to put the ball in the hole with the club. It's just to put the ball in the hole. I'm, the... I'm no golf expert, so it probably depends on how you define it. But you, you win by getting the ball in the hole in a certain number of strokes. Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, we should talk about that more. In the meantime, I want to hear more about motion capture. So as you were saying, ha <laughs> <laughs> What, do you have a question for me about motion capture? No, I just like hearing you talk about it. Um, I mean, it's... So, yeah, so here's another thing. Uh, Speaking of Andy Serkis, he's kind of an easy person to... um, He's an easy go-to because most people have seen or at least are familiar with Lord of the Rings or King Kong or or the movies that he's... Planet of the Apes, movies he's been in um, and acted for. Uh, But he actually... There's a big... uh, I don't know what the word, dust-up. There's a a big... uh, to do where he 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 kind of came out taking credit for um for the amazing characters that show up in these movies and and not really acknowledging all the artists and um, technicians and many many people that go into or that are part of taking his performance and putting on a character putting it onto a character and making it look good for the movie and so a lot of people we're not too happy with him about it. Yeah, that seems yeah, it seems wrong not to acknowledge the artists who put these models together. What was this okay, who was the character in the recent Star Wars movie that he played? Oh uh, what is his name? Not, for some reason I wanted to say Grievous, but that's not that's uh that's from the old or the the old new Star Wars. Right. No, it it is hold on. Snoke. Snoke, that is right. So was he a a dark Darth Lord? Is it it wasn't Darth? No, it was what was his Oh it's Sith Lord. That's right. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Um so Andy Circus played him, right? I I yeah, I think so, yeah. So I'm sure that Andy Circus's talents went a long way in making Snoke look awesome on the screen. But Mm -hmm. there is no way that the artists I mean that that it wasn't the artist's genius and, and talents beyond Andy Serkis's that really made Snoke stand out. I mean, that, that was so cool. Like his, like he's got this like stitch in his face and the, I don't know, like the wrinkles and the way it all, like his flesh all moved. And I, I don't know, I, it was really something else. And that, that has to go beyond Andy Serkis, right? It definitely does. And there is, you know, I do want to give credit to him and other motion capture actors that it does actually make a big difference because I've seen really good performances and really 
poor performances of someone who's just not that experienced. Uh, and there is a big difference between uh, acting just regular acting for a live action movie and acting for a motion capture um, scenario for a motion capture shoot. Um, you do, you do need to like what in one, well, it's becoming more of a regular thing now, but in one, you're just in a stage. You don't have the environment. You often don't see any of the other characters. It's, it's just you. And so you have to imagine all this stuff is happening. Um, and so there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from him. He's he's definitely a great actor, but uh, besides the actual performance, uh, there's so many other things that happen. And on what I see on my end, one of the big things is any no matter how good you get it uh, or how close you get it, any actor is not going to match that character exactly. And so you have to make a lot of adjustments to make it look good. And then on top of that, you're making a lot of stylistic uh, stylistic decisions as well. And then there's also the person that created the character and the lighting and the rendering, which is what goes into that final product that makes it look so polished and, and nice and creepy and cool or whatever. Yeah, I so yeah, I, I guess when I think of Gollum from Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and then you know I, I picture Gollum in my mind, and then I picture King Kong, and then I picture Andy Serkis from uh, like his character Ulysses in the Marvel movies, which is just him right i mean the difference between those three is enormous and it's it is yeah it's really something else to think about what has to go into um making that happen making these differences look realistic on the screen um but yeah i i I, no doubt i mean andy uh, andy circus is super talented from what i understand um and i I actually got to meet him at our oh, studio and yeah he was he was a pretty nice guy and he actually uh, had a has to do a game of freeze tag with him so oh. he had every, everyone <laughs> come down and play with him yeah it's pretty fun so uh, that is fun um yeah it's a while ago but yeah he was cool he was cool that's great um yeah what i probably need to do to really appreciate what he does is watch some youtube videos of, of him working i bet i bet it looks really i bet you can see how hard it is when you watch him work yeah i, th- I think so uh, or or any actor really that's doing especially when so we do video games and a lot of times uh, we we do both so sometimes we'll do the in-game motions which is the character like all the things that your character that you're playing can do so like running around running forward jumping shooting rolling ducking for cover those sorts of things um, and you create a library of motions that you're going to use in the game but we also do a lot of cinematics so that's kind of the cutscenes in the game and uh, depending on what's happening in the game, some of these actors have to do pretty extreme stunts, and we even have wire work sometimes, so they're flying around and rolling and getting hit and getting knocked down. So it, it can be pretty exhausting and tiring work. Again, I want to come work with you. <laughs> what you do sounds it, so much more interesting than what I do sometimes. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah, we, we have a good time. Well, let me know. I'll I, again. I can type really fast. I can make a mean <laughs> cup of coffee as well. <laughs> Those are useful skills. They are. Well, I, unless you have any other questions, I think we can about wrap this one up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this is stuff that would be fun to talk about more. But yeah, definitely. I, um, we've probably. I think we've given the listeners enough for now. And mm-hmm. uh, let's. Yeah, let's let's end it there. Well, sounds good. All right. Well. Uh, always a pleasure. As always, it's great talking with you, Gordon, and talk to you next time.
All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you leave us a review on iTunes, we'll love you forever and proclaim it from the rooftop.